This is the John Oakley Show podcast. The city's outside workers have been at an impasse with the city, and uh, the contract uh, talks have gone on for four months now. And uh, this is the folks at uh, QP Local 416. The problem is they're dragging on at the same time as a teacher strike, and uh, they're not getting any ink. Did anybody know that there was an actual, I guess, labor negotiation strife dragging? So uh, what the city is looking for is a no-board report that sort of kickstarts the uh, countdown towards, well, either a strike or a lockout, but it brings pressure to bear on both sides. So where do we stand as far as all of this is concerned, and what are the issues on the table? Let's find out. The Deputy Mayor and Councillor for Ward 2, Stephen Holliday, has joined the Oakley Show. Stephen, good afternoon. Hi, John. How's Stephen? I'm doing great. Good. So there's no board report that the city is looking for. Uh, What's the thinking or the reasoning if I haven't already covered it? Well, it's a very important milestone. Um, I guess the the concern that I have and many Torontonians might have is, could we see ourselves in a situation that that we were in a number of years ago with a a full strike in the middle of the summer? And we know what that meant. Uh, It meant garbage was piling up in tennis courts and part of the city. And uh, it affected a lot of people's lives. So to me, uh, watching this process unfold and seeing the city ask for a no-board report is something that is very much in the public interest. Because if the city is in a position to take the step to lock out the union, it means that we can do that sooner than later. And we can bring all of the the argument and, and the pressure to resolve this situation now. Uh, you know, maybe even as early as sometime in the month of February, rather than the middle of the summer. And that's a very big strategic uh, advantage for the management here that's working on these negotiations and really for the citizens of the city. Well, usually, though, these kinds of things, if there's an impasse early on, uh, you request a no-board report and get down to brass tacks sooner rather than later. These talks have dragged on for four months. Doesn't that seem inordinately long? Yeah, if I recall correctly, the contract ended at the end of the year, so it means that the talks started before the the end of the contract, which is a good thing. Uh, but we are past, you know, the end of the year, and we've now passed the month of January, and, and uh, you have to start asking those questions. Folks are working without resolution of the contract. And if we uh, ignore these things or take a lazy, fair attitude on the negotiations, we could find ourselves in the deep throes of negotiations at the cusp of summer, and that is that is not a good time for management to to have the most amount of leverage. Well, really, uh, how would winter be more advantageous for the city? I mean, you still need garbage removed, and you also have the snowplow issue because these are outside workers. It's true, but you don't have the same amount of public health effects that you would that you would see in the middle of the summer when when garbage gets piled up, and you also have that time when there is the outdoor pools open and the camps and all those things that parents rely on to send their kids. So, you know, I would say the impact is important at any time of the year, but I think it's larger in the summer. All right, so Stephen, walk us through how this would work, uh, because it's a city that's requested the Ontario Labour Ministry to issue the no-board report. That's how that works, isn't it? Yeah, that's uh, labor law, and it's not unique to just the city, but when contract negotiations reach a point that it doesn't look like it's going forward, one of the parties can request the no-board report, and that's when the ministry comes in and looks at the situation, and they can table that, and once that occurs, that's when the striker lockout can happen. All right, and uh, so if this is something that the city is looking to trigger, they've not yet, they're just looking at it, right? 
Yeah, it doesn't mean that the city is moving to a lockout, but it does signal that the the, the city is, uh, you know, winding up the spring here to to be in a much more aggressive stance when it comes to the negotiations, and that should send a signal to both parties that it is important to get back to bargaining and getting to resolve the issues, and and you know it's that pressure that sometimes gets the result that we need. And is it not correct that I guess uh, once the Labour Board decides that the no-board report will be filed, it's a couple, three days, isn't it? Um, I, you have to forgive me here because I'm not a, an expert. I think it's a bit longer than that, but we're not talking weeks. I think we're talking days here, and it, is, it does take them time to go through their process on this. I see. And so what are the issues that uh, typically are in play here with the outside workers? Because my understanding, too, is the inside workers are looking at something similar. Uh, yeah, there's, there's well, there's there's two unions, uh, and, and the the one that's being publicized here is the outside workers. Um, I can't say exactly what the issues are. Those are kept fairly tight within the negotiating team and the management that's working on this. There's a very small subset of councillors on a special subcommittee that deal with that matter. I was on that subcommittee the last go around, uh, so I was in the middle of those things. But on this time, I'm 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 watching as a member of council with concern. Um, we don't know exactly what it is, but we. We know that uh, that from a memo sent by the city manager, there has been progress on some issues, but some issues remain unresolved. And that, to me, says that they're big issues because uh, they are heading down the path of this no-board report. And so what would those big issues be typically? Uh, typically, it would be probably around salaries and job security, those type of things. Those are really important contract stipulations for both parties because they mean a lot of money. And uh, and I understand, uh, you know, a union is going to is going to do the thing that they need to do, the thing that they are in place to do to to get the salaries and the job security for their workers. And management is going to be thinking about things like what does it cost to do all of this, and what does it mean to the taxpayer at the end of the day. Well, we, as we've seen with the teachers and the provincial government, well, all public sector workers they pass legislation to freeze things at a 1% increase, which is being contested in court. Does the city have a, a similar rule of thumb where they'd like to hold the line on wages? So uh, what I don't know is what the instructions may have been to the negotiating team. Those are typically done in a very high degree of confidence, and not even all members of council know exactly what it is. Uh, we'll, pre- we'll be presented at some point likely a contract to ratify, uh, and we'll find out then what it is, and we'll have to deal with it at that point in time. But um, you know, uh, when those instructions are developed, it's with uh, the city's finances in mind and what the climate is out there. And in my experience, they'll look at what other contracts and, and other settlements have been in the similar industry of the government. And that all goes into the hopper and they come up with a plan and they come up with an envelope that says, this is how much money we're going to allocate to this change. And uh, it could be all in salary, it could be in wages, it could be in uh, benefits or, or any other thing that can be monetized, and at the end of the day, it fits into the envelope or it doesn't. Well, as we see, too, with the teachers, you know, and where the government wants to, uh, I guess, lower uh, the teacher ratio to, or increase, I guess, uh, the end of what am I saying here? It's a larger class size, however that translates. So when you've got yeah. that applying as well to uh, municipal workers, there's job security issues. And uh, what the union is claiming is a two-tier job security provision that's uh, paving the way for privatization. Is that a sticking point here with city workers as well? So not being at the bargaining table, I can't say for certain, but I've seen what I've seen, the quotations in the paper, and 
you know, obviously the union are concerned around the language of job security. And there was a time in the city where there was a fairly generous job security provision. They called it the jobs for life. It's, that wasn't the official language, but that's how it was publicized. And we've seen the contracts change a little bit over time on that um, to be a little bit less secure. But that, in my view, seems to reflect the, the times in the world that we live in. And, uh, you know, I don't know what the union stance is in this case with respect to those things, but, you know, it's potentially a very significant thing to talk about at the bargaining table. You've already attempted, I guess, a conciliation officer coming in, getting everybody to sit down and uh, make nice and cobble something together. So that hasn't worked, is, if I've got that right. Yeah, that's the reports that I've read, uh, you know, in in the public. Again, I can't say for certain because I'm not at the table, but it sounds like a reasonable thing. Both parties want to reach an agreement. There's no uh, aggression or desire to go to a thing like a strike or a lockout. So you do all the steps that you can to try to reach an agreement. But at some point, you have to take a stronger posture. And I think this is what I see occurring, just watching it unfold before me. And so typically, uh, with this no-board report in the offing and the 17-day notice before there is either a lockout or a strike, uh, we could potentially see something to that effect before the end of this month. Well, we hope there's a whole lot of talking going on in those days that you just mentioned. And uh, that would be a good sign and, 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 you know, signals from either side that there's progress being made. But... I do worry that if uh, people cross their arms and step back from the table and let that period elapse and don't use it, um, you know, both the city and the union are in a tough spot. And again, I suspect uh, nobody wants to see a strike for a variety of reasons, but even from the political side, it would be a lot of political damage and there would be a lot of criticism from the public. And so having a strike earlier or a lockout earlier in the year is, is definitely advantageous to the management side. On this issue of privatization, uh, we've seen where this was proposed and actually implemented when it came to garbage pickup uh, west of Young Street, and you're in that neighborhood as well in Etobicoke. That's right. Uh, And you've seen it, and I know we've discussed it in the past. Uh, It had become an issue and a consideration for east of Young Street, but then the 416 guys, I guess, uh, they carried the day and they didn't actually... uh, They've actually submitted to me, I, I know in speaking to their representatives, that they do it more cost-effectively than the private concerns would. Have you crunched the numbers? Do you have anything to uh, verify either way? A lot of people make a lot of claims. Uh, I think ultimately, uh, you know, a very political decision was made by city council in the last term to put aside this idea of privatized collection. I've always been a proponent of it. I like the competition in the system. Um, It's worked really well in Etobicoke for decades. It's something my dad started uh, back in the Etobicoke days. One of the things it's done is it's shielded us from this issue of a strike. Um, That's not to say that, you know, the workers don't do a good job, but it comes down to the cost of things. And I I think you you can see management uh, reports and analysis from both sides of the table that make claims on the cost of these, uh, this type of a service. To me, what I'd like to see in any uh, collective agreement is the flexibility that, so that council or the management here at the city can make the choices we need to make over the next couple of years to run the public service as efficiently as possible. Yeah, and that is up to council. So if it came to, uh, again, discussing contracting out garbage east of Young Street, that would have to be a council vote. Last time, I guess the mayor backed off of that or it was defeated, Right. Yeah, the uh, the vote the vote was defeated. Um, I don't remember exactly. Everyone was on the side, but there was a, only a handful of us that uh, really voted against dropping the whole issue. 
And uh, I was a bit frustrated when that vote came through because I would like to have seen us keep looking at the issue and making sure it was addressed in things like the collective agreement that's being discussed right now so that we always have those options. Uh, we want to make sure that we have flexibility and a nimbleness as a public service to adapt to the changing world and, and to stretch every single tax dollar the most efficiently as we can. All right. Uh, Stephen, I appreciate finding out that this is something that is percolating just underneath the surface. If the no-board report is filed, as we say, uh, we could see some kind of lockout or strike before the end of February. Thanks for your time. We'll see you back in studio before too long. Thank you. Stephen Holliday, Deputy Mayor, Councillor, Ward 2. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.